there is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the Twilight Zone. Hello and welcome to Something New. I am Ben Hansen and I'm joined with Jeff Cork. Hello, Ben Hansen. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. What are, what are we doing down here, Cork? This is a little something, the Twilight Highlight Zone. I Brilliant we're name. Calling it. Ben Hansen's name, his, his own design. Thank you. It started a while back where I got the sudden urge to watch every Twilight Zone episode because I'd seen maybe like 30 of the best in like a DVD compilation back in high school and I always loved it and I always wanted to go back and play more, but... I never really had an excuse. And then one day I got the itch and started going through each episode and taking notes and rating and reviewing mm-hmm. each episode. And I brought it up with Cork and Cork fell in love. I fell in love. I thought if I can hitch a ride to this fantastic idea. And it was also an excuse. I think I was in the same position where it's like, I've seen a bunch of episodes, mm-hmm. but it was just completely all over the map. There was no structure to it. It was just like what was on at any given time. So there's some I'd seen several times, some I'd never seen at all. Yeah. So this is just a great opportunity or an excuse just to kind of start from the beginning and then work all the way to the end and just step in some of the biggest turds on the way and just see some amazing, incredible things too. That's the point is there's going to be so many great episodes because I think we both agree it's a great show. Yes. But I want to see the worst episodes. Yeah. That's my goal. And you know they're out there. Oh, there's just a vast quantity of Twilight Zone episodes out there. So yeah, I, I think even like the first binge that we kind of went through, there's some pretty bad, yeah, bad episodes. So here, sure. here's the game plan. By the way, uh, it's available on Netflix instant streaming. And the point of this podcast is we want you guys to watch them along with us. And we're going to go in five episode chunks, we yes. believe. Yep. So watch five episodes, have a podcast discussing those five episodes, and then just move on from there. Exactly. Theoretically weekly, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we can't promise anything i'm not even promising entertainment <laughs> exactly barely right. listenable i think that that's that's the benchmark we're shooting for <laughs> right so before we dive in you want to talk a little bit about your history of twilight zone you just watched a couple episodes here and there it was kind of my my introduction to the uh like ironic ending you yeah know what i mean where or the twist ending i guess is probably a more appropriate term where it's just like I think uh, Chris Hardwick had a really great bit where he was talking about the show may as well have been called Nice Try Asshole because basically someone thinks everything's going right. You know, they're going to kind of pull one over on the universe and then everything is yanked out from underneath them. And then that could be kind of like the end narration is just Rod Serling saying Nice Try Asshole. So I I subscribe to that wholeheartedly. (laughs) Um, It's certainly more appropriate than others having watched, you know, this first batch. We have to determine which episodes that applies for and which it doesn't. Yes. Absolutely. And I'm noticing that a lot of patterns here. We'll get into that a little bit later. Oh, yeah. But yeah, my, my experience was mostly, I think it was one of those, the song would come on uh, it, when I was like flipping channels and that would always just like, to it would just hit me right to the bones. Like just, it just creeps me out. Just that song. Just thinking about the song. Because as you'll find out, you know, if you watch like the first season doesn't have that iconic do 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 It's right. this other thing. I, do you think it's just because that just became synonymous with spooky stuff when you were a kid or is it the actual music itself? I think the music itself is just something about it is really unnerving. It just reminds me of like needles being like scratched into my face or something. And of course, when I was younger too, Twilight Zone, the movie came out. Oh yeah. I remember watching that and it was really cool. I think that was an introduction to a lot of, uh, 
to the show for a lot of people who didn't grow up in the in the the late 50s and 60s right when it was actually being broadcast i mean it was in syndication when i was a kid but that was kind of like a more contemporary that was the john landis directed one and this is the one where john landis killed those people right <laughs> yeah vic morrow was like oh. with the actor there's like a helicopter explosion yeah and they ended up not using that footage you know but yeah they used that whole segment that is brutal but this is more uplifting yeah that's not gonna happen so tell me about your <laughs> You say that you... Yeah, in high school, I, I, like, it's one of those things where I think my mom talked about it a bit. My mom's kind of a, a nerd in this way. She really loved it back in the day. It must mm-hmm. have just been reruns or something. Uh, and then a friend bought the DVD box set, and I fell in love. I absolutely loved it. And it always bothered me that there was just hundreds of episodes out there that I had not seen. Yeah. And I wanted to be really nerdy with it. And I get sick of watching shows and just immediately forgetting about them and not talking about them. Mm-hmm. You know, just like playing middle manager of justice on my phone or something just yeah. to distract myself and half paying attention. So I just wanted to take a deep dive and take notes and remember the best parts of an entire show and twilight zone. I think is the perfect show to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's plenty to talk about. It's got some pretty great stuff. Um, Rod Serling. I don't know if you've read much on him. Big oh, yeah. Champion of like civil rights and did some pretty subversive things thematically that he was kind of able to sneak by using aliens. I think that was like a common thing that he would do to like, substitute for different either the majority or the minority um i know he's big like in interviews talking about like yeah twilight zone was the only place you could be honest on tv yeah in that time exactly because like this is 1959 when it starts and i did a little research and like the number one show is gun smoke and then the next three are also westerns yeah it's just nonsense and then twilight zone comes in and i think it holds up really well it really does so the first episode it's called Where Is Everybody? Where is everybody, Ben? I loved it. Okay. <laughs> so starting out, <laughs> it's like, how, where, do this, where does Twilight Zone kick off? What are they setting the tone with? Right. And it's a bold episode mm-hmm. where it just opens and it's a guy in a desolate town. In a jumpsuit. In a jumpsuit. That's right. That's right. So he thinks he might be with the Air Force in some way, but he can't figure it out. All by himself. Yeah. Super chatty all by himself. <laughs> well... Kraken wise to anything that has cast a reflection, any <laughs> flat surface that he could possibly see a shadow on, he's like, eh, yeah. what do you think? I think I'm going nuts. Eh. Yeah. And one thing that I noticed right out of the gate is I always thought every episode opened with Rod Serling giving an introduction. Right. But, or the song, like that I, I mentioned earlier. Yeah, but there's no song. Nope. Uh, Rod Serling is not there. Nope. And in fact, I mean, for the first. 20 episodes, you do not see Rod Serling at all. Mm-mm. He gives narration in the very beginning. Exactly. Doesn't announce himself. Not much of a celebrity at this point. Like, he was famous for writing. He'd written for other shows and right. stuff like that. But certainly not a household name. Exactly. And it's interesting, actually. I, there's a great interview with Rod Serling uh, that he did with uh, Mike Wallace mm-hmm. way back in the day. And you should definitely check it out on YouTube. But it's right before uh, Twilight Zone aired. And Mike Wallace just keeps asking him questions about the upcoming show. Like, hey, what are you working on next? What do you think about censorship? Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah. And Mike Wallace definitely gives the impression that he considered Twilight Zone trash. Just like, oh, so you're really just doing some sci-fi show? What's this all about? And you're just kind of like, oh, you're really throwing yourself away, trying to make a cheap buck. Mm -hmm. And Rod Sterling just kept on hitting it. Like, no, I am extremely proud of this show. This show is something else. And I mean, he was personally attached. If you look at the, he wrote almost all the episodes. It's incredible like how much writing he did on the show. It wasn't just like he slipped onto a suit, held a cigarette and talked for a few seconds and then ta-da, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. And clearly he has some issues with isolation or abandonment issues because you'll notice a running theme. Like a lot of these episodes Mm -hmm. are people just not being understood or just getting more and more scared about being alone. 
And so that's what this first one's about. So he's all alone. Right. And he's just like walking around this town. Um, one, see, here's another thing, insight into what makes Jeff Cork work. <laughs> I have a thing with mannequins. Not really a big fan of mannequins. So there's a sequence where he thinks he sees somebody. He's just walking around a town, basically. I'm right. like, where am I? What's going on here? I thought there were people here, but it doesn't seem like there's any people here. What's going on? What gives? And then he sees this car. And it, hey, well, there's a beautiful lady in there. Right. Hey, I never thought I'd meet a dame like you here. What's going on here? And duh, it's a mannequin. And he opens the door and, you know, she tumbles out and he's just like, ah, crap. <laughs> you know, but you know, that kind of freaked me out a little bit. You know, it's funny. I mean, obviously Spielberg is a huge fan of Twilight Zone. I think he produced the movie in the 80s, right? He may have. Um, but this episode reminded me a lot of Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull when he gets into the nuke town. Mm-hmm. And it's just Indiana Jones wandering around for a long time. And he thinks he sees people. And it's like, oh, tur- turns out they're mannequins. Yeah. And so at that point in the episode, I was thinking, is this going to be a similar situation where mm-hmm. it's all a nuke town? Did you have any ideas about where it was going? Uh, I didn't really. Yeah, I didn't know if it was like alien. It was going to pull back, you know, and it's like, ah, uh, he's in a space capsule. You know what I mean? Right. Like he's being observed by aliens or some kind of laboratory, you know, uh-huh. what I mean? which I guess we'll get to in a second. We don't want to blow it. I mean, we still have many things to talk about with this episode. Right, right. right. My favorite part was when he goes to the uh, ice cream parlor. Yeah, right. And he's just like, Asking for ice cream and like, doesn't he like help himself? I think he does. Yeah. Where it's confusing because later on, on the fifth episode, mm-hmm. there's also that ice cream parlor. Yeah. The ice cream just looks delicious. I, I love the bit where he's in the phone booth. He's like trying to call home. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't remember if the phone works or not. Um, uh, no. Okay. So then there's just this, this weird moment where they're trying to build up the tension and he can't get out of the phone booth mm-hmm. for a bit. Which yeah. is another terrifying idea, just being in this town completely by yourself and just not even not even being stranded in the yeah. town, but being stranded in a phone booth within the town. Exactly. What what does it cut to when we get the reveal? Yeah, he's pushing on a button. Let me out of here. Let me out of here. And then, and then it turns out that he's in an isolation test. Exactly for some kind of space mission. Right. So this is in 1959, and right. there's several episodes in the early run mm-hmm. all about like, oh, someday we're gonna get to that moon. And yep. this is one of them where yeah. it has a great bit where he's being hauled out on a gurney and yeah. he's looking up at the moon just after like, he someday. goes outside he's like yeah someday i'm gonna be up there and it's like it brings and then like one of the generals is talking to a reporter and they're like you would have cracked too he was in there for 484 hours and 36 minutes and he's like we can provide <laughs> and he's like uh, you would have cracked too we can provide air we can provide food we can provide water but one thing we can't provide is human interaction and it's like he's not like knocked out he's just in no. this booth and he just completely loses his mind remember the opening yeah. sequence he he like Breaks a clock. Right. Remember, he like punches it and he's like, ah, crap. And you find like there was a little clock in the booth. Yep. And I love like it also ties in with the phone booth there where he's in this small containment unit. It's just that idea of like your dreams being filtered through reality. Yeah. And I I understand like if I were in that booth, the same thing would have happened to me. But I think at that point, does that person go to space or do they just try to find someone who can maybe hold out a little better? Like it's kind of (laughs) like it ends implied like, well, he cracked and that's only a fraction of the amount of time it's going to take to go to the moon. But Good luck, buddy. Right, right. How many days was it again? Uh, it was uh, 484 hours and 36 minutes. You could do the math at home. Okay, all right. It was it was like two and a half weeks or something like that. And it doesn't take that long to get to the moon. What is it, like four days? Well, maybe they were assuming you'd go at like the speed of a convertible. That's what I'm wondering, something. like just them trying to do the mental math. Rod Serling sitting at home trying to crunch the numbers to figure out how long it actually takes. If we had a road. I uh, ended up reviewing the episode. Uh-huh. I'm going on a one to 10 scale. Okay. And it, just for a little benchmark, we're not going seven average. I'm no. keeping it at... Five is barely worth watching. Anything okay. below, not worth watching. Above, worth watching. Okay. I'm giving this one an eight. Really? I liked it. Now, I'm, I'm using a competing scale. I'm going one to five. Please don't do this. <laughs> this is the worst idea. It's the best idea. This is, we are in the first episode. Do not ruin this. This is, an, this is like a Twilight Zone twist. 
You think that we have the same scoring system, but we don't. Okay, four out of five. I okay. really liked it a lot. I think I'm going to do the math. I think we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah. And it was tough, like right out of the gate. I enjoyed it so much. I'm like, is every episode going to keep mm-hmm. up with this? Is this going to skew my whole scoring system overall? Yeah. And it's still one of the better ones out of the first wave that we've watched. Mm-hmm. Next right. one. This one is called One for the Angels. Okay. Summarize it, Cork. <laughs> oh, boy. This has the opening, I think, is really interesting because it's this guy, hot summer day. He's got like a little unfolding case and he's just selling stuff he's like a street peddler right which apparently was a thing in the late 50s there's another episode later with a street peddler yeah exactly we'll get to that yeah so he's, he's standing there in front of what looks like a like a like courthouse or some kind mm-hmm. of a building downtown hey and he's just selling just random crap it's it, like spools of thread and ties and hey you want some matches yeah exactly fucking <laughs> matches several designs yeah. and anyway he's like dabbing himself with his forehead it just is a pretty grim sight and uh, you see kind of in the corner of your eye, he's like unfolding, you know, and there's Rod Serling's narration. You know, here's this guy, he settles, sells all this crap for a living. Whatever. Could you do a Rod Serling impersonation, please? I could not. I'll, maybe I'll work guy. up to it. Here's right, we'll this work guy it. selling some crap. And <laughs> then anyway, you see like in the, the corner of the shot, there's this real slick looking dude. And he's got like this, like a, what do you call it, Like a state trooper kind of like, I'm writing you a ticket. One right, of those folding right. notebooks. And he's like looking. And then bah, he looks at the camera. Bah, and then you're like, oh, crap, what's going on? So anyway, what happens is that guy, he appears and the, the, the salesman goes home, right? And then he stops on the steps. And there's all these little kids running around him. And they're like, hey, you're the best. You know, we like your stuff. What do you got for me? And he's like, hey, how about this? It's like a wind-up robot. And there's like 10 kids. And he gives two of them gifts. And they're completely satisfied with this. They're apparently. the Christian children, yeah. Absolutely. He's like, oh, I'll come back later and I'll give you all ice cream. It's like. Okay, I don't know what your business model is, sir, but <laughs> it's clearly either you're really good at what you're doing or absolutely terrible if you're giving away stuff. So he goes up to his room, and then the guy's there in the room. Yeah. It, and he's like, basically, it comes out, I'm deaf. It slowly works out to that, but it's still that situation, which, you know, there's going to be a lot of this in the Twilight Zone series, mm-hmm. but it's like the guy is teleporting around his room. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main actor, who is Edwin, the old actor. What? Yeah, it's Edwin. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so he, like, locked the door, and death still got inside. Okay. And it's just a thing of like, hey, what's going on here? How are you inside? What's oh, oh. Yeah. It just takes him so long I'm to realize. I'm, 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 come back tomorrow yeah, if you that's want right. my junk. He thinks he's real clever. <laughs> but it just takes him so long to realize there's something supernatural going on yeah. here. And the actor who plays Death does an awesome job. Yeah. Just very somber the entire time. He's really like, <laughs> Yeah. So he's like talking about how basically at midnight, this guy's going to die. As it turns out, there are kind of conditions to this. Yeah. So you don't necessarily... Um, if you have like extenuating circumstances, you don't necessarily die. Mm-hmm. And some of those are if you're working on a some kind of project that will benefit mankind in general, yeah. or you have like some unfinished business, which seems like those are kind of to the same. You things, think but... Death would realize this or have some way to test it, just so he wasn't constantly coming back like, "Hey, you get to go." This seems like a big hassle if your main occupation is just being Death. Oh God, yeah, especially if you get some like blowhard like this guy. And then the guy is like, oh, "I always wanted to do one big pitch." One for the angels. One for the angels, so to speak. And it's like one big pitch where the sky opens up and I'm just on my top of my game and I'm just selling everything. And that would be great. And then Death responds by saying, okay, sure, fine, whatever. One for the angels. And then he's like, ha, I'm never going to do it. He thinks he's going to trick Death. But then Death leaves Mm -hmm. and there's an awesome moment. I love moments in shows like this where you think it's like, okay, pretty lighthearted episode. And then all of a sudden, Death kills a small girl 
Just not, gets her hit by the car. Not kills her. You just hear a screeching tire. And right. It's like little Sally or whatever. She was going to yeah. have ice cream. And there she is splayed out on the ground. No well, blood on her. There, no. She's very clean. And the, the big gimmick with death, though, is that like, the little girl comes over at one point while death is in the apartment. And she's like, can you fix my robot that you gave me no fewer than five minutes ago? And it doesn't work now because I'm just awful with toys. Uh-huh. And, you know, the guy's like, sure. And he's like, oh, the problem is your actuator's bent. The little cog is overturned. Well, be polite. Say hello to my guest. And she's like, "Aha, you're silly. There's right, no one here." Right. And you realize, "Oh, well, don't you see him? He's right over there." Yeah, oh. exactly. So only people that are condemned to die can see Mr. Death, right? Right. But then, when they're outside, the little girl's like, "Oh, I see your friend now." Dun dun dun. The big twist. So she's gonna die at midnight, right? Because if he postpones his own death, Death is gonna have to take the life of another, right? That's and this, that's the catch. So it eventually ends up with the Edwin character. Mm-hmm having to stall death so that he can't get in for his midnight appointment. He only kills people at midnight, apparently. Yeah, exactly. And he's got to, a really good sense for that. And so he goes in to try and kill the girl, gets distracted Oh yeah. by the salesman as he gives him the greatest pitch he's ever heard. It and is it's, awful. It's so bad. And then there's great footage of just like cutting back and forth between the pitch and then death himself. And death is just getting sweatier and sweatier. Like, oh, I can't even handle how great this pitch oh, is. I'll take it. Oh, this necktie is great. Oh, these matchbooks. I've got to have them. And he's like, this spool of thread from, from Zanzibar. These birds come and they blah, 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 blah. He's like, oh, I'll take it. I'll take this. Like, death just cannot resist this spool of thread. And I was hoping that they were going to hint that like, you know, Death realizes what he's doing. He's not really this stupid, mm-hmm. but he's just fulfilling this guy's oath by having him make this great pitch. Yeah. And then he can claim his life. Right. And he's just kind of acting it up. They don't really hint at that no, at all. No, Death, not that bright in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> he is just completely overtaking. Oh, the best part is you get to see this pitch. It's not like it cuts yeah. back to, oh, that was quite a pitch. You get to see this and you realize this is just mediocre at best. Yeah, that guy seriously would have gone out of business with, with giving away robot toys yeah. and ice cream. Classic mistake. Anyway, the little girl, her eyes flutter open at midnight. Life is good. They walk away, and he says, that really was one for the angels. And it's like, ah, oh, you're going to go to heaven and whatnot. So, ta-da. Very happy. Six yeah. out of ten in my book. See, I gave that one a three out of five, which I guess really does translate exactly to the same. We don't Cork, death. please change your scale. Really? Please do. It's going to be so annoying, and I want to post like in the section what we uh, scored all these. See, but this is the twist, is that I accommodate you. Oh, <laughs> wow. I know. All right, moving on. This one is Mr. Denton on Doomsday, the third episode. Yeah, this is not the one you're probably thinking of. There are no, no one's glasses are going to break in this episode. This is not the classic Doomsday episode. We'll get to that one later. Yeah, pretty soon though. Uh, so this one is the first kind of period piece. Uh, we're taking place in the Wild West and there's a drunk. And he's oh, he's so town, drunk. And he just, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> drunk for 1959 and he just <sighs> keeps begging people for booze and everyone's making fun of him and whatnot hey uh, hey hey rummy sing how dry i am yeah how dry i am so apparently it's a song and he makes him sing it so much to the point where it gets weird because yeah. the evil gunslinger guy in the town not a trustworthy character it's a bully yeah and he's, yeah. he's like yeah i'll give you a drink if you you know he gets kicked out of the tavern. i'll give you a drink if you sing it and he sings it and he throws he breaks the bottle against the yeah. Tavern one throws it at him and he's like drinking out of this jacket. Lap it up. Oh, it's, it's a mess. Humiliating. This guy used to be the hottest gun in town. Yeah. And then he just let himself go because right. something happened. There's like the town floozy. Mm-hmm. The, the town has like a dozen people, so that's got to be kind of awkward. Yeah. But <laughs> so, yeah, fate comes into town. Fate comes into town. He's on the ground just having a miserable time and then the wagon drives by that's and right. he spies 
a gun. And then, then the gun accidentally misfires. It, it misfires, and who, what does it do? It shoots some, It shoots the guy in the hand, the evil guy in oh, the hand. Oh, knocks his hand out. Yeah. And then everyone is just like gathering around. Oh, yeah, you're the best. You got right. you beat the town bully. And, and the bully's pretty casual with the fact that his hand just got shot. Well, he shot the gun. I thought at first that he got his hand oh. shot, too. He shot the gun. It's oh, like the okay. classic disarming in the 50s move. <laughs> Good yeah, move. Exactly. So it turns out like he keeps uh, going to fate, and fate gives him a magical elixir, which mm-hmm. will make him a perfect shot. Because he's going to need that, because remember... Once he had, there was another showdown. The guy's like, "Yeah, oh yeah, you think you're so great? Let's let's do it." And he shoots the gun out of the hand, and then he shoots the uh, the lamp, doesn't he? In the right, suit. right. Yeah. Everyone thinks he's just amazing. And then the problem, though, is word is instantaneously going to get out that he's he's got a like a sign over his head. People are always going to want to fight the best. And now that he's the best again, it's really like being in a prison. Yeah, it's yeah. You got to get the biggest guy first. That's right. Yeah. So then he has to take on all these people. So then he gets fate to give him a magical elixir. And he uses that magical elixir, but it only lasts for 10 seconds, which right. is the catch. Right. And when he takes a swig of it, and then he's just like shooting all kinds of crazy crap, and it cannot miss. It's pretty cool. Hot young kid comes to town looking to shoot this guy. And so he takes the magical elixir, ready to shoot the kid. And just as he's putting the bottle down, he sees the kid also taking the magical elixir, which is a cool twist that I did pretty not see cool. coming. Yeah. I was completely on board, and also I'm one of those weirdos that's big on timers in movies and, mm-hmm. and TV, so the second he took it, I started counting down. Yeah. And they got to like 20 seconds before they shot. That's all right. Yeah, but they both shot the guns out of each other's hands, Yeah, right? and then like the doctor immediately came over with, he had his bandages ready, and he was like wrapping it on, and it's like, oh, that was a miraculous shot. You'll never shoot again, though. I don't want to. Yeah. I thought that the young guy, I thought it was a young Gary Busey. And no I looked way. that one up, because he's kind of a goofy looking dude, and nope, it, it is not. You were so bad at that. I was terrible at it. <laughs> so anyway, that's my... I. You'll notice a pattern. I think I recognize people and no. Nope. I'm two for two. I'm doing okay. pretty good. What do you got here? Well, the first was Edwin, but for overall reviewing this episode, I'm giving it a five out of ten. Yeah? It's like, eh, it's nothing too interesting. Like, the highlight was seeing them both drink the elixir at the same time and trying to figure out, all right, what in yeah. the world can they possibly do here other than just shooting themselves in the head? I'll give it a five out of ten as well okay. on this one, honestly. I thought that it was kind of kind of weird that... I understand they can't have like the Pony Express saying, hey, Top Gun is now in town. Come come, stand up and shoot him. Yeah. But it was just like instantly like a courier came. Hey, psst, you wanna, let's do this. Right, yeah, right. Whatever. It's it's Twilight Zone. I mean, there's a potion they made you a really good shot. So believability, not necessarily a big deal. Yeah, not the best. So then the next episode was This is one. the one that I said, how is that going for you? And I said, well, there's this one episode called the 16 millimeter shrine that was pretty dumb. And this one is all about an actress. Aging actress. Aging actress. You're being charitable when you said it's kind of dumb. I don't want to show my hand early, (laughs) but... So it's an aging actress. She doesn't want to be in modern movies. She's just holed up in her mansion watching herself in old movies. Yeah. Just again and again. And she has a lady maid that comes through and kind of (laughs) takes care of her. Yeah. And then her agent, who she's romantically involved with... A young Ernest Borgnine. No, it wasn't. (laughs) That was my other one I thought I called. Nope. Clearly not. So Ernest comes to town, <laughs> and he's really worried about her and whatnot. And then Always. he brings her to the studio because he's like, got. Hey. I got a part for you. Right. She's just like wallowing in self pity. He mm-hmm. comes in, like opens the drapes. And keep in mind, this is fifty nine, and she was an actress in like the thirties. Yeah, it was the idea. It was still talkies though. Right. 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 Yeah. Very. Very confusing. So, anyways, uh, she then goes to the studio, and the studio's like, "Yeah, you'll be playing a mother," and she freaks out, like, Boo. "No one puts me in a corner," and storms out. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta. And so then. Uh, the co-star that she oh, had yeah. way back in the day that she was in love with. And she's like, oh, I just want to hang out with him again. Everything would be great. Uh, Ernest yeah. gets him to come <laughs> visit. 
and he's just a super old dopey dude like oh brother over the top old like he looks like he has aged much more than she has she's oh. still a pretty good looking lady yeah just the falsest of false teeth and <laughs> like it, it's nice to know that like thick awful glasses have mm-hmm. always been just like shorthand for irredeemable nerd right right and the most interesting part of the episode for me was just how she completely blew him off and, just, and he owns a nice chain of supermarkets in chicago she's like what are you up to and she, he says that and then it's just like oh, oh and it's like or you could just like give yourself bed sores watching yourself on film i guess that's a more noble profession and it's not like any magic happened no fairy no. came it's just one day the maid then goes into her shrine and uh-huh. sees first of all she just walks in and she screams I and mean, you don't see what happens oh. until the manager comes and also walks in and then of course the big twist is that she somehow entered the film she yeah she walked into the movie and then she looks at him she's like come back Ernest says come back and she's like oh, and blows him a kiss and then like throws her scarf goes back to the supermarket guy when he was still a hottie and then <laughs> then he picks up the scarf because it's like transfixed uh-huh. back into the real world and he like gives it a, like a but it's like, it's creepy a lot nice, sniff. <laughs> creepy sniff. And then that's the end of that one. She just teleported back into the olden days. So. It's kind of cool. I mean, have so you what, seen... like, rent, who keeps up rent then? Who's going to pay the maid's salary? Oh, that entire place is coming down. And when that projector is rolled away. But have you seen uh, Woody Allen's Purple Rose of Cairo? I have not. Okay. It has a similar plot to the point where I wonder if it was partially inspired. And actually, like, I think the movie she even talks about is something about like a Rose of Cairo. I remember there's mm-hmm. more than just that plot connection yeah. like something with the naming of the movies was similar to that as well mm-hmm. but, all right this one i was probably too generous but i gave it a four oof i give that one a two wow it was it was painful to watch just awful just awful it was just awful like well, the performances were so hammy yeah. and over the top and i just thought it was it wasn't very interesting I, i'm with you i'm with you for the most part like i can, I can appreciate some wallowing and self-pity right but that was just None of the characters were especially likable, mm-hmm. except for that one guy who made good for himself. A <laughs> chain of supermarkets. You really in are impressed by the supermarket, dude. That's a tough market to break into. It's the Chicago supermarket. Yeah, market. Exactly. There's a, quite a tough syndicate you got to get through. So it's it's interesting. I guess in the fourth episode of the show, they have female lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, not exactly the strongest example of a female lead. I think we're going to no. get more into that later. And I don't want to be the guy that's like, "Hey, come on, Rod. How come you aren't being hip and progressive yeah. and putting a lady in there?" Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she's pretty grating for the entire episode. Yeah, she's. It's really difficult to hang out with her. Yeah. So we'll be we'll be touching on that again later. I do believe. Mm-hmm. But then the fifth episode. Oh, just real quick though. Oh yeah. When the when the maid screams. Yeah. I was hoping that it was going to be way more disturbing. Like oh, I was yeah. hoping to see like a skeleton in a chair and then right. like her. You know what I mean? Something, anything. But it was just like screaming because you see her in a movie when. <laughs> That was, girl, that's the whole reason you're getting paid, lady. Well, not even that, but it was confusing because she screamed, and then when the guy came in, he also gave, like, a big reaction, but then it cuts to the movie. It's and just she, her in the movie. No, 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 but not even that. She hadn't even walked into the frame yet. <laughs> so it's like they still hold the reveal. So really, they're just walking in and screaming, seeing a movie on a projection screen. Oh, God. Yeah. The terror. <laughs> not the strongest. No. The next one, Walking Distance. I consider this one of the classics. It was on, like, the best of DVD yeah. series. The one for the angels was also on that. Yeah. But walking distance, I went in again. I remember enjoying it back in the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, it turns out it's still really good. It's really good. And so it's a guy driving. I don't even know. He's going to work. Or he's going someplace for work. 
And yeah. he's, he's a highfalutin businessman in New York, I think is the case. I think to establish the character immediately, he pulls up to a service station. Oh, that's right. And he just starts laying on the horn immediately. And there's like a guy like who could bend over and touch the guy's <laughs> fender. He's like right there. Meep, 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 meep. Anyway, the guy's a big shot. So, I mean, he then apologizes, I think, for blaring on the horn. He doesn't come across as an over-the-top dick yeah. in that first section. Mm-hmm. I mean, which is nice. It's always nice to see non-caricatures yeah. in old television like this. And so he then is like getting his oil changed. It's going to take a while. Mm-hmm. And he sees... It's like Hill a surpri- Valley Greenvale or something like that. It's a surprise to him that his hometown's like a <laughs> mile away from where he was. He's like, oh, I used to live there, you know. Is that walking distance? Ah, it's walking distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a mile away. So then off he goes. And right. his loafers that probably cost more than you make in an entire year. That's right. So, so, so then he gets to the old town and he goes to like the old uh, uh, ice cream shop. Yeah. Like in the first and episode. Again, ice cream looks absolutely delicious. And it's a little too cheap. Yeah, he's like, yeah, give me the, the old two-scoop kind with the, the fizz on top, you know, like they used to have of the day that costs like 30 cents, you know, and how much will that be? 30 cents. Well, yeah. you're going to go out of business with that kind of margin. Yeah, whatever, I'm a big shot. Yeah, and then he has a great line where he's like, hey, whatever happened to old man Charlie? How's he doing? And he's like, ah, good. He used to take a nap in his chair. Right, right. And then he walks out of the ice cream shop and the guy behind the counter goes upstairs and says like, hey, old man Charlie, what's going on here? And he's still there. So that's yeah. when you know that like, I think you could have guessed it beforehand, but that mm-hmm. was when you really know like, okay, this guy's gone back in time. Yeah, exactly. So and anyone who will listen, he'll blather on about how great things used to be. Yeah. Like a lady's pushing a pram and he's like, oh man, these carousels, they don't make them like this anymore, do they? <laughs> these summer days, all oh, these picnics and whatnot. He also harasses a kid who, this is my <sighs> second for two for two, yep. Sir Ron Howard. Sir Ron Howard? That's, it is Ron Howard. It's, it's baby Howard? Ron Howard. Baby Ron Howard. In one of his first roles. And so he's talking to the kid and he says his name. And the kid's like, what You're are you not him, he's him. Exactly. And then it's that whole ordeal where he has to go to his parents' house. And he's like, it's me. It's pretty much like the It's a Wonderful Life scene. Yeah. yeah. Just screaming, Mom, Dad, it's me. And it's, they say, that's ridiculous. Get out of here. Oh, and like he's like trying to fish his his driver's license info to prove it. And they're just yeah. like not interested at all. They're like the dad like elbows the wife inside the house and she shuts the door and he drops the stuff. And then he's <laughs> kicked out and it's like nighttime. And he's like all bummed out about it, right? Yeah. So then there's like a like carnival or something, right? Uh-huh. And he's a carousel going around and stuff like that. And then he sees himself, right? Oh. And this, this is, is cool. This I is love really cool. this scene. Okay. And so it's like, I think they even shot it like at a Dutch angle. Mm-hmm. And he's like chasing himself around this merry-go-round. Trying oh, to yeah, super himself creepy. Just to talk about it. Yeah. The kid ends up falling off the carousel. And mm-hmm. then it has that great Looper-esque moment. I know you just watched that where the kid falls off mm-hmm. and then he feels the pain in his own ah. leg. And suddenly he's like, oh, God. Yeah. Because the kid apparently broke his leg from falling three feet. Exactly. It, uh, times were different yeah. back then. So the highlight of the episode for me is after this then, when the father comes back and realizes that this is his son. And he's surprisingly cool with the whole mm-hmm. thing. And then yeah. the two of them just sit down and have this weird heart-to-heart about like, Hey, I appreciate you coming back from the future, but you know This isn't this isn't for you. He's like, yeah. you had your childhood. Right. He shouldn't have to share it. I was, I was really touched by that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe it's just because I'm nostalgic at heart, but yeah. I loved it. I love that moment. It was just like this really emotional moment that was completely crippled the second the two guys stand up and he's like, Bye, son. And then he immediately turns on his heels and leaves. They're like, You're not even gonna give your son a handshake yeah. or a hug. <laughs> Or like, or ask him I, about the future. Yeah, exactly. Should I invest in like carousel padding? It seems like there's a big market <laughs> for that. 
So anyway, but when remember when the kid, the doctors were like taking him away, they're like, oh, he'll be fine, but he's going to walk with a limp. Right. So he goes back to the, the malt shop because apparently this town is on this weird, everything's open 24 hours a day loop. Yeah. And uh, malt shop after dark. Malt shop after dark. And the big clue that he traveled forward in time mm-hmm. is that something it costs more and whatnot. Exactly. But then he walks back with a limp all the way and gets in his car, goes off a, a changed man. But it appreciates life a little better. I in the Twilight loved it. Zone. Loved I, it. Fantastic. It delightful episode. I gave it a 9 out of 10. You give it a 9 out of 10? I gave it a 9. A 9 out of 10? Give it an 8. Okay. I give it an 8. All yeah. right. This is definitely my highest reviewed so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, wherever the heck it is, and you just want to check out the highlights, yeah. I definitely recommend the first episode and then Walking Distance. Yep. Those are the two I think that you're going to want to watch. And then from there, watch them or don't. Don't watch... The 16 millimeter shrine. You don't have to do that. It's all no. right. And it's not horrific. It's just there's not much yeah, interesting about there's it. A, there, look at the like episode guide. There's a ton of episodes. Go back to that when you've seen everything else. We're doing this because we have to. Right, right. You don't have to. You have some freedom. <laughs> cool. All right. So I think it's going to wrap it up for the first episode. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. And we need some catchy sign off. It's the by light zone. Bye bye light zone. <laughs> Never again. So I hope by next week you guys watch the next five episodes and we treat this like a Twilight Zone book club. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Thanks for joining me, Kirk. Thanks, Hanson. Goodbye. Bye.